Hello and thank you for choosing Starting Somewhere, the podcast where you hear from someone in the early stages of their working life to find out how they got to where they are, what they actually do every day, and just to get an honest look as to what your life might look like if you also start out in that area. I'm your host, Michael Watson, and I am so thrilled about today's guest. Eliza Horvat is a continuous improvement engineer at DuPont. I promise that she explains what that actually means later on. We talk about it at the beginning, but Eliza and I were neighbors in our freshman dorm and became friends because I would always find her in my room eating all of my snacks. And just going from that to doing this interview and, you know, being able to have seen all the stuff she's been able to do is so incredible. Uh, in our conversation, she talks about her path as an engineer, what it has been like to be one of the very few women in her classes and at work, the importance of finding a community for support, the impact a mentor can have, and the benefits of working at a big company. Really quick, please stick around for the follow-up after our interview where I will help to unpack some of what we said, explain any technical jargon used, and thank our sponsors. Alrighty, hope you enjoy. Eliza, thank you so much for being here. Yes, of course. I'm so excited to be on. So I'm going to start with the official first question of the podcast, which is, what did you want to be when you were little? Um, I remember specifically in first grade drawing a picture of a judge. I really wanted to be a judge. <laughs> I think it's because my mom and I used to always watch Judge Judy together. <laughs> Sure. And what a role model. <laughs> I know, right? And I was like, wow, she's so cool. So I really wanted to be a judge for a while. And then I think in elementary school, I started getting into dance a lot. And I wanted to be a dance choreographer, which, you know, could still be in my cards. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> um, and then once I got into high school, I was more like, okay, you know, more realistic things. But yeah, for a while, it was either between a judge or a dance choreographer. <laughs> wow, okay. So then that, that seems like a much bigger transition given what you actually do now and what you went to yes. school for. Because you went to Ohio State. We met. We were neighbors. We were neighbors. <laughs> we shared a wall. Great time. We did. We, sh we shared a wall. And you were a chemical engineering major at Ohio State. Yeah. So you are not from Ohio. You are from Pittsburgh, what was it about Ohio State that made you decide to, to choose to go there? So when I was in college, I really only, I mean, when I was in high school, I really only applied to about three colleges that I was like actually going to go to. There were some that I was like just applying, you know. Um, so the three that I applied to was Pitt, Penn State, and Ohio State. And Pitt um, was just way too close to my home really is like 20 minutes away so I was like not so into that and then so it's pretty much between Penn State and Ohio State and when I visited Penn State um, you know of course their engineering school is very good but their campus was uh, like pretty much in the middle of nowhere hopefully I don't offend any Penn State people but um, <laughs> oh, that's fine to offend any Penn State people that's totally okay um, 
so yeah, so it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And then when I visited Ohio State, they definitely had a campus feel. Like when you're on campus, you know you're on campus, but then you can go like two minutes off of campus and you're downtown Columbus or, you know, on High Street. And I really liked that. And also, of course, like Buckeye Pride, like literally it was just, I don't know. I just thought it was so cool. Everyone is so proud to go to Ohio State. And of course, their engineering college, um, is really great too. So I decided on Ohio State and my parents were happy with that because it was far enough away to be, you know, feeling like I left home, but not too far where like if there was an emergency, they could, you know, come save me. <laughs> so yeah. So then you came in knowing that you were going to do engineering. Yes. I knew specifically that I wanted to do chemical engineering. I think a lot of people go in undecided engineering so they know they want to do engineering but not specifically what field um but when i was in high school i really liked chemistry and i really liked math and neither of my parents are engineers or really know any engineers but my dad said well if you're good at this and engineers can get a job and make a lot of money so might as well try it and i was like okay <laughs> so um yeah so that's what i decided what what is it do you think other than just you know maybe generally excelling in math and <laughs> chemistry and just you know outside of being good at that yeah. what was it to you that maybe like or i guess was there a moment in college that confirmed that that's what you knew that you wanted to be doing like was there a moment either early on or later where you said yeah no i actually really really like chemical engineering and this is actually the thing that i want to i want to be spending my time doing I think it honestly probably wasn't until junior year, which is kind of a long time. Um, but really freshman and sophomore years, a lot of like intro classes, just like chemistry and math. So it was like over, you know, what I was doing in high school already. And then you eventually get into your major classes, but your junior year, you actually start doing lab work. Um, we call it unit operations, unit ops. And that's where you actually like get a, um, lab group that you work with the whole semester and you do different experiments and they're really long lab reports and experiments like they take like a whole day long to complete and then a whole week to write the report so when I was doing that I was like wow this is really cool I was actually able to see like what you know I could possibly be doing like out in the real world like and applying the things that I learned in school to actual applications not just you know solving math problems because honestly I don't do that day to day. Like I don't mm -hmm. really use much math, which is <laughs> pretty sad considering how many math classes I went through. But um, yeah, so just being able to see like how like it can actually be applied was cool because really fr freshman and sophomore year, I really even myself didn't know like what chemical engineers do. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so, and I'm going to talk a little bit about these, or we, we can talk a little bit about these uh, in a little bit. Um, you worked a variety of jobs while you were in college. Was there anything that you did outside of those internships or part-time jobs that you did that kind of helped to prepare you or figure out what you wanted to do after school? Yeah. So, well, for one, we were in Mountain Leadership, um, the Scholars Program together, and- uh, yes, um, we <laughs> and I knew going into Ohio State that I did want to be in a scholars program, but I also knew that I didn't necessarily want to be in an engineering scholars program because I figured 
I'm already going to be surrounded by engineers all the time in my classes. And I don't want to stereotype engineers, but they're a little bit um, like uptight and stressed all the time. Like, I mean, I'm one of them, so, you know, I can say it, but <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't need that all the time. So I was like, I feel like it'd be cool to be with a lot of different majors and um, definitely like taking the leadership classes that we did through Mount was really helpful. And also, I think anytime you can be around people that aren't doing the same exact thing as you in college, um, you know, opens you up to just like a lot of different um, opinions and different experiences. And um, another thing that I did sophomore year was I joined a um, mainly engineering sorority, but also um, some other science majors like um, like math or physics um, could join. It's called Phi Sigma Rho, and it's a social sorority for STEM majors. So I think a lot of people when they hear that, they probably think like we don't have any fun, but it is a social sorority. Like we still have parties and like, you know, it's really fun. <laughs> um, but it's also a really good way for me to meet other females in my engineering classes because um, even though chemical engineering probably has the highest percentage of women in the classes compared to other engineering fields, it was still, you know, a lot less than men. So it was really nice to be able to make friends with um the other females in my classes, we could help each other. And also um, a lot of good connections because all the alumni, you know, like will come back and stay in contact with the um, students that are currently in college. And they'll, you know, be like, oh, we have a job opening at my company. So that was super, super helpful. And even if we just had questions for them about like, oh, how do I, you know, even start applying to internships? Like, what do I do? Um, that was a really helpful resource. And another thing that I did was I worked as a calculus tutor, which probably sounds super boring, but I actually loved it <laughs> um, because I really love math. Like if I did do math, you know, like if I was doing calculus all day in my job, I would be so happy, but I'm not, but it's okay. So um <laughs> I just really like math and I like teaching other people math and like I like when people are like oh I hate math and then I like show them how to do a problem they're like oh that wasn't that bad and I'm like see math is great so anyways that also gave me a really good experience working with um other people and like even though like you can be a good um like problem solver or like you know good at these math problems it especially in my job, you have to be able to explain things to other people. Like you can't just start working on an engineering project and like not get approval from someone else or like work with someone else. So you really have to be able to explain things in your thought process. And being a tutor, you know, that was what I had to do. I had to like explain problems to people and try to figure out, oh, if they're not getting it this way, like what's another way I could try to teach them. So that was also really fun and definitely helped me um, like in my job now, I think. Well, that's really cool that, I mean, you were able to do so much. seems like there was just kind of also a lot of opportunities for you to like really explore this area. Mm -hmm. One thing really quick, and if you don't have an answer for it, that's totally fine. I'm just curious. Do you, is there like a reason why there are more women that go into chemical engineering than the other disciplines of engineering like do you think there's a reason for that 
I don't, I think chemistry in general is more not geared toward women, but I think just more women maybe like enjoy it more than more of like the hard sciences, like physics or um, like the electrical like side of things, at least personally for me, like I did not enjoy physics at all when I was in high school or in college. I just, I don't know, just wasn't for me. So, um, but like chemistry, I feel like it's just, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know why, but it just seems like a lot, not a lot more women, but like compared to definitely electrical engineering, I know for sure, or like any type of physics. Um, I think mechanical engineering is starting to get um, more women in the program. But I remember when I was applying to the chemical engineering program that it said that maybe there was like 20 to 25% women and the other majors definitely had less. So yeah, that wasn't a really good answer, but I think maybe, I don't know, we just find it more enjoyable to do chemistry than like physics and stuff like that. Well, I guess, I don't, okay. What was that experience like though? Cause even at the best of a, you know, engineering program at Ohio state, the, the most diverse, at least men and women wise was one out of every four people being mm-hmm. a woman. Was that a different experience at all? Like, do you think that that changed anything or had any different type of impact in the classes that you were in? Like, was was it, I guess, like apparent that you were like that there was that big of a disparity? Yes. I mean, uh, it depends. Like, I think once I got more into my major classes, it was less noticeable because there was less of us, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I think. Definitely when I was in my intro classes that like pretty much any anyone going into engineering, um, no matter what specific major it was, had to take. Um, it was definitely noticeable. I remember I was taking, I think it was like my physics two class. So once again, mm-hmm. physics didn't like. But um, <laughs> um, there was seriously probably, I don't know, three to four hundred kids because it was an intro class. And I think there were maybe like 20 to 30 women in the whole entire lecture hall. And um, I mean, the professor definitely noticed because <laughs> one day he specific at the beginning of class, he said, I'm only accepting questions from females today. Where, and everyone was like, what? Like, you can't just say that. Like, <laughs> what if a male has? Because I guess he was maybe in his head, he was like trying to help like, oh, like maybe these girls do have questions and they're just like too afraid to ask or something I don't know um so he was like maybe trying to give them more of an opportunity but like it doesn't work that way because you know obviously there's majority men and they are probably gonna have questions too so you can't just tell them they can't have questions anyways that was like a whole he probably shouldn't have said that but um obviously it was noticeable to him too because like he single out the women and know that they're not the ones asking the questions so um yeah, I mean, I think kind of going in, I felt like I was expecting it because that's just what you see like everywhere online. Like, oh, there's, you know, female minority and just minority minorities in general in STEM. Um, so I was kind of expecting it. And yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think it was at least good that like I 
experienced it in college because I'm still experiencing it now in my full-time job. I mean, I think it will take a long time for, you know, the younger generation of females and um, to actually like seriously like diversify the engineering and STEM workforce because, you know, there's still a lot of older men that are still working that have been working for 30 years. So, you know, like once they all retire, <laughs> then maybe yeah. you know, we'll have a chance of being like the majority of the team instead of the minority. Would you say that that it probably also made your experience in that uh, women in STEM sorority? Would you say that that was probably even more beneficial just because you had that community of other women around campus that were going through the exact same things yeah. that you were and that you could all like support each other? Yeah, for sure. Like I, if I seriously, if I did, had not joined when I did, I don't even know if I would have made it through engineering because like for one, your classes get super hard. So like you really, well, for me, they got really hard. <laughs> And for a lot of my friends, they got really hard. I think given that you said how much you love math and you used to tutor calculus, I think if you're saying that they got really hard, they got really hard. That's that's just a pretty universal thing then. That, yeah, that's fair. Um, so they got really hard and I realized very quickly, like I need like a solid group of friends that I'm going to study with, like get our assignments done with, you know, because otherwise if you're trying to do it all yourself, it's like really difficult. And also once we did start applying for internships and stuff, that was super stressful. And me like not knowing really anything about them. Like I feel like my parents when they were in college, I don't know, I just feel like back then maybe it wasn't like such a big deal to have an internship. So they couldn't really help me. Of course they were supportive, but they were like, we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that having older girls in the sorority being able to give me advice and be like oh this is what I did um you know you should apply here apply there whatever and then also the girls that were just in my classes that were going through the same thing um because it got really like frustrating and like pretty uh disappointing at times so it was good to have like support from them um you know, and just being able to know that there's like other people going through it, because otherwise I would have thought that I was the only one like having problems and like not doing well in my classes. So, yeah, it was definitely like the best one of the best decisions I made in school for sure. Oh, great. OK, awesome. So then I think that like then anyone that would be listening that would probably be in that same situation, like it's just good to find a community of people that, you know, you can really relate to on stuff because, yeah. you know it's going to get hard regardless. So yeah, there's a lot of people that understand what it's like. Yeah. And it definitely does not have to be a sorority. Like if that's not your thing, they do have um, like scholars programs for engineers or they have just like living, um, like live communities, I guess, living communities mm -hmm. that were engineers. Um, and then of course we had like our um, American Institute of Chemical Engineering, like organization that was just you know anyone in the major could join that so I know a ton of people that did that and had really good groups of friends through that also so yeah basically if you can find like something that um you know can help you make friends um I think is really important especially when you're in a major that requires like 
so much, I don't know, so much of your time. Like you want to be around people that, you know, are helping you like in your classes, but also helping you like stay mentally like sane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So then, so let's also talk because, uh, like I said, you had a, a variety of internships and jobs while you were in college. So the first one being a research assistant at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, how did you find that job? How did you find that opportunity? So, like I said before, when you were started applying to internships, um, so I was a sophomore, and I kind of did not, well, not kind of, I really did not know what I was doing. I just heard from other people in my major that they were applying to internships and getting internships, so I was like, I guess I should get an internship, even though I kind of thought from the beginning that I didn't really need to get one until after junior year. So I was kind of like freaking out. And I started applying to internships. I can't really remember like at what point in the year, but it was probably second semester sometime. And I remember I was applying to like a lot and not getting any of them. And well, really, it's not even that I wasn't getting them. It was just I wouldn't even hear back, which is more discouraging than them answering you and saying like, oh, no, we already filled it or whatever. Mm -hmm. We not a good match, something, anything. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people go through that no matter what major they're in. That's just applying to anything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that got really discouraging. So. Um, luckily, I think it was a professor that presented on these things called REUs, Research Experience for Undergraduates, and a lot of universities have them. So he like sent out the list of all the different universities that had them for that summer, and I saw that University of Pittsburgh had it, and I was like, oh, that would be super cool because so I, I could still you know, be close to home for the summer because I did want to be home for the summer, but then you know, I could still be getting this experience. So I applied and didn't hear back for a really long time. And finally, I worked up the courage to <laughs> email the professor that was in charge of the program, you know, just asking for an update on the status of my application. Cause I'm like, it's been a while. It was probably like almost finals time. So I'm like, I need to know what I'm doing for the summer. And he, when he got back to me, he said, oh, we're still deciding. I'm like, ugh, okay. And then I waited like two more weeks and then I, he um, finally got back to me and said that, um, so I guess the program is mainly for students that are juniors or seniors that are for sure going to graduate school because for graduate school, um, you know, that's way more like research, um, research intensive, I guess you could say. So they definitely look for um, people with research experience. So I think they were reserving spots for either juniors or seniors who knew that they wanted to go to graduate school for engineering. And I obviously was not that. I was just a sophomore that was just trying to literally get any experience to put on the resume. Mm -hmm. So I, um, luckily, I guess they had offered the position to someone and they ended up declining it like last minute. And so then they offered the spot to me and I was like so excited that you know, I had literally anything pertaining to engineering for the summer, because if I wasn't doing that, I probably would have been like a camp counselor again or something, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I just really wanted something, you know, to at least get some type of literally anything. So 
Yeah, um, no, definitely. And very understandable. Yeah. Yeah. What was the um what what kind of work were you doing in that lab? So I um each person it was a very small program. I think there was maybe like ten of us or less. It was very small. Um so we each got paired individually with a professor who had a research lab and the pref- the professor that I was matched with um actually worked in like more so of the petroleum engineering um side of things which is chemical engineering but specifically petroleum engineering and they um were researching how to make more environmentally friendly i guess you could say ways to um (laughs) ways to frack for water so that was interesting because I, you know, obviously, of course, I think most people know what fracking is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's pretty safe to assume at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, did I say frack for water? No, they don't frack for water. They frack with water, but they're fracking frack for oil water. and gasoline. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> um, I was gonna, okay, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask about that. So, okay. No, not for water. Not for water. <laughs> so, um that was interesting because I um, really like in your, once you get into your major, you can take more specific classes and Ohio State does offer petroleum engineering classes, but I had not taken any yet because I was only a sophomore. Um, so yeah, so he kind of just um, like had me research um, a bunch of like other people's articles about the same topic at first. And then he kind of showed me like what his uh, plan was and he kind of just let me like not go free but really work by myself in the lab and there was one other graduate researcher who worked in his lab as well so he would help me if I had any questions or needed his help with anything which was nice but I also really liked that um, it was very independent and I kind of got to you know like design experiments on my own and kind of learn like really how they do their research, which is um, pretty, like, I don't know, I guess different than what you do in classes, because even, you know, in our classes, we have chemistry labs, but they're, like, very step-by-step, like, follow this procedure, you know, like, you can't do what you want in a chemistry lab, so um, I liked that aspect of things, and at the end of the program, um, everyone that was in the program we made like those research posters, you know, that look look really fancy and mm-hmm. um, presented it at like a symposium. So that was cool because I had never done anything like that. And there would just be like strangers coming up to you, like asking you like, oh, can you explain your project to me? And you'd have to go through like the whole poster. And yeah, I don't know. So for someone who, you know, didn't ever have to do that before, that was definitely a cool experience even though I was really nervous but um yeah so overall I think like that was um really fun I mean I loved the other people that were in the program they were from all over and um yeah so I think um if especially if you're interested in going to graduate school like those are like really um cool programs because you could literally probably go to like any state or city that you wanted to go to for a summer and, um, you know, do research at the university. So. Okay. That's really cool. So then 
were you doing similar work because you were also an undergrad uh, research assistant at Ohio State as well the following year, correct? Yes. So, so what kind of work were you doing in that lab? Yeah. So after I did this research program, I was like, oh, maybe I like research. So, um, so I decided that I would um, apply to be a research assistant at um, one of the labs in the chemical engineering uh, building at Ohio State. And this lab is called the Clean Energy Research Lab. And um, Dr. Fan is the professor that um, is in charge of this lab. So one of my friends in my classes that I was really good friends with actually was already working with them as an undergrad researcher. And he said, you know, oh, I think they might be looking for someone else. So you should apply. And I did. So um, I had to go through an interview and um, yeah, and I got it. And I basically worked in the lab probably like, mm, I don't know, maybe like six hours a week, not a ton, but um, mm -hmm. it was counting as a credit for one of my electives. So I wasn't getting paid to do it, but I was okay with it because I needed credits for my elective classes. <laughs> um, and in that um, lab, I also was just working with one um, graduate researcher and that was also for um, clean energy, which, um, I think, to be honest, <laughs> a lot of the research went over my head. <laughs> but <laughs> for for what I for what I gathered when I worked there, <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a process called steam cracking, which is used for fossil fuels. And when you do steam cracking, it lets out a ton of greenhouse gases, which, as we all know, is very bad for the planet. So this, they were trying to develop cleaner ways to get the same um, products that you would during these like environmentally unfriendly um, processes and turning it into a way where it's not releasing greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So a lot of the researchers, it was actually a really big lab. Like I think I don't know how many researchers he had working for him, but it was definitely a lot. So they were all working on their own projects, but in general, that was what they were trying to accomplish. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you're working for, for renewable resources in both jobs, whether you liked it or not. I mean, it kind of yeah. seems like that was just where the, where the jobs were. Yeah. And um, like I said, like I, really was not like a big part of like coming up with the ideas, you know, like that was what the graduate sure, researchers sure, were yeah. doing. Cause that was like, you know, what their like thesis, I don't know, dissertation, whatever they have to write was based on. So of course they were the ones coming up with the ideas. So I would mainly help them with just like um, running tests that they needed to be done or like more like, I don't want to say busy work cause that sounds bad, but it kind of was, it was kind of just like, work that they were too busy for, but it still needed to get done for their research. So that was mainly what I helped with. <laughs> did that, did those jobs working in those labs, did that confirm anything for you? Did that confirm that you, you know, was that validating you want to stay in engineering, you want to be doing this? Or was that more so you were happy that you got the experience in the labs, but you also learned that you did not want to, you know, do that 
further on? <laughs> um, I think both. Like, I think, well, I was definitely glad that I had both experiences for sure. But I think okay. even after um, doing the research lab that I did at Ohio State, I was still kind of like, I could do like research, a research job after graduation, but maybe I don't want to, like, I didn't really know, which is why I really wanted to get an internship that was actually like out in, you know, a manufacturing plant or out in the industry more so than in a research lab, because I hadn't experienced it yet. So how am I supposed to know which one I want to do? Um, so yeah, so at the time, I really didn't know the difference. But after um, getting my internship after junior year, then it kind of helped me to make my decision a little bit, I would say. Yeah, so then, so <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's No, let's talk about that internship then. You were a process engineering intern at DuPont. Um, yeah. So how did you how did you find that? And then kind of what was the day to day of, of that job like? Okay, so junior year was like, well, sophomore year and junior year were like really bad for me, like academically. <laughs> like I thought basically my life was ending because I wasn't doing well in my classes, which that's a whole other thing. But I think a lot of engineers go through the point where like, oh, in high school, they're like straight A student, like top of their class. And then they get into these engineering classes and they're like, what the heck? is going on like I didn't know what was going on I was like whatever failing exams left and right um so anyways that was just like discouraging but I was like it's fine you know I can still get an internship and like I'll get experience so anyways I started applying even earlier in my junior year for internships because I knew how hard of a time I had um sophomore year getting one and I probably applied to like over 40 different internships and heard back from like like not a lot of them. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't really get like any interviews. I maybe had one and then I heard back and I didn't get it. So I'm like, okay, like this sucks. And I was just feeling like, how are, how are all the, like, cause then also there's all these people in your classes being like, oh, I'm interning here. I'm interning there. You know, I'm like, how are they getting all these like, <laughs> you know, internships and I'm sucking. So yeah. So anyways, that happened. And then I did apply to DuPont. I think I just found it on, you know, one of the like job websites, like Indeed or, you know, Glassdoor or something like that, which is where I found most of my internship applications. And I just applied and it was getting really close to the end of the school year and I had nothing. So I'm like, I'm screwed. <laughs> um, and I got an email from, um, a guy that works at DuPont and said, you know, they wanted, they have this open position for an intern for the summer and asking if I would do a phone interview with them, like within the next two or three days. I'm like, Oh, like that's really quick. Sure. Like, you know, I was excited, but at this point I was also really discouraged because I'm like, Oh, probably nothing's going to come of this. Like mm -hmm. whatever. So I was like excited, but not really that excited. <laughs> and I went on this phone interview I thought it was the worst interview of my life. I mean, it was with <laughs> it was with um, two engineers. One was a woman and one was a male. And 
it was only 30 minutes long, which I don't know if that seems long to people or not, but I didn't think it was that long. And I remember, yeah, right. And it was a phone interview. So I'm like, whatever. So anyways, he asked, I remember him asking me, his name's Chuck, by the way, shout out to Chuck because it's story. Story turns good at the end. Um, (laughs) um, I remember him asking me like, oh, I see on your resume that you don't have any industry experience. Why is that? And I'm like, oh, like in my head, I literally went to be like, why the heck do you think? Because I didn't have industry, like I couldn't get industry experience. Like what the heck? Oh, I was like, oh, over the phone, like my face. I'm just like, oh, I was so mad. (laughs) Take a guess. Take a guess why I don't have any. Right. So I'm like, what? What? So anyways, then I, so I think the interview goes horrible. I get off the phone. I call my mom. I'm like, that was horrible. The guy sounded horrible. Like, I don't even want to work for them. <laughs> and then three days later, they call me telling me that I got the job. And I was like, what the heck? Not the job, the internship. But I was shocked because I was like, I was just shocked. But of course, I was excited, even though. I kind of had a bad impression, but I was like, of course, I'm going to take it. Like, this is my only chance. Yeah, so, no question. Yeah. Yeah. So I accept it. And then I literally started like two weeks later or something. And I remember I was so nervous to meet Chuck because, of course, over the interview, I was like, this I guy's going to Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, after that phone call, after that, after that 30 minute talk. Yeah. No, yeah, I'd be nervous exactly. too. So I go in my first day and luckily the woman that was on the interview with me was the one that like showed me around my first day. And she was also a young engineer who went to Ohio State. So she yeah, was like, we were very relatable. So I was like, okay, this is fine. And then of course I was like so anxious all day to meet Chuck. He wasn't even there. He was like on a business trip for three days. I'm like, oh my God. Also one, another piece of how bad that interview was. So one day I was just hanging out with Chuck, talking to him in his office, and I see my resume laying on his desk. So I was like, oh, whatever. Like, he just, you know, still has an app. And I see in the top corner that he has all these little tally marks. And I'm like, Chuck, what are all those tally marks for? And he's like, that's how many times you said, um, in your interview. And I counted them. Michael, it was 82 times in 30 minutes. And he counted them all. And I'm like, why did you hire me? (laughs) Isn't that horrible? I have never heard of that. I've heard, I've, I've heard like stories of people keeping track as like a joke. No. I, also, eighty. I mean, he had the patience yes. to keep counting to eighty-two. I know. And then the fact that afterwards they're like, "Oh yeah, she seems like we should hire her." <laughs> I mean, I know that saying um like obviously does not measure up to how you're going to perform in a job but I was so embarrassed and I was like oh my gosh so now I'm super self like now I always try not to do it even though I know I say um and like a lot but throughout the internship actually he made me present I think every two weeks and then I also had a final presentation and they would all sit there and count how many times I said um (laughs) so by my final presentation I know (laughs) By my final presentation, I think I only said it once. So it's like, that, that's, not that's bad. pretty good compared to 82. 
I mean, if anything, that's probably the most growth <laughs> you've ever been through was just <laughs> was Which, making I mean, that transformation and that internship. Really? I mean, that was like, I think, well, if, so if you want me to explain what I did during the internship. Yeah. What were you? Yes, okay. please. What were you? What work were so, you doing? Yeah. It was only for three months, which really isn't that long, especially for, I think, an engineering internship. Um because it takes a while, a while just to kind of learn their process. And especially for someone that's never obviously worked in a real manufacturing plant. Like I didn't know what was going on when I first started, of course. So I really had to learn things for probably like the first month. And then finally, I was able to like get into my own projects and they, you know, would let me like, um, go out and talk to the, okay, so maybe I should back up, but basically <laughs> they have, um, like, I guess, I don't know how to really describe it. It's really hard to describe it unless you see it. But basically, they have these, like, huge processes of, like, making their product. And they have operators. They have So they have engineers and they have operators. So the operators are ones that are actually operating <laughs> all the equipment and um, controls and stuff like that. And then the engineers are the ones that will, you know, like, help to improve any issues that they're having. Um and you know like actually the ones to like implement projects and stuff like that but the operators are like crucial to you know them running so that was a really big thing that i learned when while working there that um as an engineer if you're working at a manufacturing plant you basically have to be able to talk to the operators and like get along with them and you know be able to like one have like a pro professional relationship with them but also have somewhat of a personal relationships that they're not like I don't know just so that you have like some type of like friendship kind of between you guys and it makes your job a lot easier because you know if you're trying to like run a test or put in like a new piece of equipment and the operator you know like you don't really know the operator that well it's definitely a lot harder to get things done so that was one thing that I definitely learned in the internship. I would try to go out and talk to the operators as much as possible, even if I wasn't talking about work necessarily um, sometimes. But a lot of times I would go out there and ask them like, oh, can you explain like this to me or what does this mean? So um, that was really good. And I think, um, like I said, with the presentation, more developing my... I don't know, not professional skills, but kind of professional skills um, was really helpful because I obviously never had to like present on any projects that I had. I mean, I had to present class projects, but that's really different than real life projects. <laughs> so I, yeah, so that was kind of the general of what I did. It's really cool because it sounds like because it sounds like you got to work on a lot of different things and also develop a lot of different yeah. things. You weren't really just locked into one, you know, specific area. You were getting to do a mm -hmm. ton. Yeah. And I think, um, like, of course, developing my technical skills with, like, actually, you know, like, learning what engineers do and, you know, helping with their projects. But, like I said, a big part of it was, like, personal development, too, um, not just, like, Mm -hmm. doing like technical stuff so so then going back to my question from earlier when I asked if the research jobs were validating to you and knowing what you want to do 
after this job, did you know, okay, I really enjoy being on this side of things? Maybe not like with that. I mean, you've, you've continued to work with them. So obviously it was not a bad experience, but was that something that at the end of your internship, someone said, Hey, once you graduate, let us know. Or, um, was it more so just, you knew that you had a really good experience there and having done industry side and then research side, you kind of figured out, okay, I, if I get to pick, I would really prefer to be on industry side. So, yeah. So when I left, I like loved my experience. I was so glad that I got to work there for the summer. I mean, the people that I worked with were great. And then also of course the engineering experience that I got was great. So I was really happy going into senior year, but at the same time, I was still honestly not very sure because I was like, I don't know if I could see myself working there like I could, but I couldn't. I don't know. It was just weird. So I was like, you know, at this point, I'd probably take really like any job that any job that I got. So um, after that, my I guess I don't know if he was my supervisor, just my mentor, Chuck. But, um, <laughs> um, Chuck is getting <laughs> such a big shout out here. I love it. He really, like, he really did help me a lot. So, anyways, he wouldn't find it funny. But as soon as this comes out, you're gonna have to send this episode to him no, and I know. say, <laughs> Chuck, I'm nothing well, without your he mentorship. Was also, like, Thank you so super much. Super sarcastic. Like he's kind of like you, like kind of mean, but like, you know, he really cares about you. Um, he's really like that. <laughs> so um, we had like, you know, a love hate relationship. But anyways, after I was leaving the internship, I was like, Chuck, I'm gonna have PTCD. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, post traumatic Chuck disorder. Because That's I know, one. right? And he thought he thought it was so funny. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> anyways. Okay. People should steal that joke for future for future bosses. Sub in <laughs> the first letter of your boss's name. No, because literally anytime I heard Chuck outside it's of gonna work, kill. I was like, Chuck? I was like, Chuck's here? No. So, anyway. <laughs> okay, so when I left, um, he told me, like, oh, you'll probably be getting an email because they normally do interviews for, like, all past co-ops or interns. And um, not just from this site, like from all the DuPont sites, because we have a lot of sites and yeah, a lot of interns. So I did get an email over the summer after my junior year, after the internship ended, saying that they were having an interview day in Delaware, which is where their headquarters are. And, you know, that they were inviting me to come. So I was like, oh, this is great. Because I knew that, you know, there were so many different sites. I didn't specifically have to work at the site that I interned at. And so I went to the interview day. It was probably in like September, October of my senior year, which is pretty early, like considering, you know, that I still had the whole rest of the yeah. year to go. So I went yeah. to the headquarters, which is pretty cool. And there was probably like 30 of us, I think, 30 interns. And then they were having another day too. So there was probably like 60 altogether. And basically it was um, like one the night that we got there, we went to dinner with um, I think like two managers that were going to be interviewing the next day just to kind of, you know, talk to them. It wasn't an interview. It was just more just to like get to know them and stuff like that. And then the next morning 
we um, went to like the, their offices and it was basically like a whole day, like eight to four or something like that, where each person would interview with three separate managers from three different sites. And I think each interview was like 45 minutes, which is, I don't know, kind of long, I thought, but it's better than 30. Yeah, minutes. better than 30 minutes. But after doing it three times, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. So yeah, so I did that. They were all in person, which I like better than phone interviews. And um, yeah, so I did that. I thought it went like pretty well. And from the three managers, I really didn't have like a preference of where, you know, I wanted to work. But there was two different positions that they were hiring for. They have a field engineering program, which is where you work at one site for usually a year, maybe like two years at most. And then you rotate to another site in like a whole different position. And I think you can mm. do like continue that for maybe like three to five years total. So you could probably get like three different um, positions um, within that time, which personally I did not want to do. That's pretty cool. I think it's cool if you want to like be moving around that much. But personally, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't like the idea of like having to move around, you know, every like moving, okay. getting settled and then having to move again. So, um, and then the other position that they were hiring for is called direct hire, which I don't know if that's what they call it everywhere, but that's what they called it there. So that was more so like you get hired to this specific site and that's where your job's going to be. So I definitely wanted that type of job more than the field engineering program. But I was like, if that's, if they offer me the field engineering program, I'll take it because I know that, you know, I really wanted to work for DuPont. So anyways, I heard back probably like two weeks later and it was from um, a site in Massachusetts and they actually did have the direct hire position. So I was really happy about that, um, which meant I would not have to be in like the rotational program. And yeah, so they offered me the job and I was really excited, except that it ended up actually being a research job, not... In, at a manufacturing plant. <laughs> so, okay. I know, plot twist. Back to research. <laughs> yeah, so so the, actually, okay, the site that I worked at in Massachusetts did have a manufacturing side to it, but a majority of it was research and development. So when I started mm. there, my um, title was development engineer. And Basically, that meant there's like a research group, a development group, and then the manufacturing group. So we were kind of in the middle between the two. So, you know, if research had a new idea for a new product, we would be the ones to kind of scale it up to not full manufacturing size, but like an intermediate size kind of. And then we would pass it on to the manufacturing group. So that was what my job was there. So it was a lot of lab work again. Um, yeah, a lot of lab work, a lot of like analytical testing and, um, yeah. So I didn't work really with, I worked a little bit with the manufacturing group, but not a ton. So, and then just, to, just to be clear on that, you accepted that job oh. in the fall of your senior year. Right? Yeah. Like October. Wow. So then you just finished out that semester and the next semester just knowing yes. I I know exactly what I'm doing as soon as I'm out yes, of here. Yes, which was like 
crazy. I mean, my parents, like, that must have been so it was. Relieving. It really was, especially with like all the like trouble and like disappointment that I went through getting an internship. That like really made me mm-hmm. feel like, okay, like I actually did it. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, like I said, my parents, you know, aren't engineers. They don't know any engineers. And also they're, they're not old. Oh God, if my mom listens to this, she's going to be mad, but they're, they're older than some other people's parents. Okay. So, um, (laughs) when they were in school, they were like, we never, like when we graduated, we had no idea what we were going to do. Like, this is crazy that, you know, you know, so far in advance. So yeah, it definitely was relieving and, um, just, yeah, like made me feel finally like, okay, like I actually, you know, like got a really good opportunity. And this is why I owe a lot of like what I'm doing to literally to Chuck, because <laughs> this sounds literally like I'm like professing, yeah. you know, <laughs> like. Well, I think what you're what you are saying is the importance of a mentor relationship yes, a mentor and the importance of and someone who's willing to take a chance on you, because when he hired me, the only experience I had was in research, which really like the site that I worked at for my internship, they have a little research lab in the front, but mostly is manufacturing. So mm-hmm. I hadn't, he knew I had no idea what I was doing coming in, you know, but he decided like, we're going to give her a chance. We're going to give her like the opportunity to get experience, which is, you know, everyone's problem applying for jobs. They want experience, but they won't give you experience, you know? So it's like, which is horrible, yeah. but he, he, gave me the opportunity to gain experience, even though he knew that he was like definitely going to have to teach me a lot. And then that in turn, you know, like gave me the opportunity to get a full-time position with them. So yeah, so definitely having a good mentor who's going to support you. Like, cause even when I went for the interviews for the full-time position, I was emailing him, like, how should I prepare, you know, stuff like that. And he was, you know, telling me (laughs) and yeah, definitely having a good mentor and hopefully finding someone that will, take a chance on you. <laughs> so going into that, that first full-time job, that, that job at a college that you, um, that you had had locked down, which is just, I think so cool and also super rare that, you know, you got to do that. That's just awesome. Um, what was a bigger change for you? Was it moving to Massachusetts and, you know, living on your own in a new place again or was it just that change of working full time and not being a student, you know, for the first time in your life? Both, I think. Um, when so luckily, my one of my best friends from high school actually ended up getting a job in Boston. So we were able to live together, which was like amazing. Oh, I know. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so that was so helpful because otherwise I either would have been living by myself or living with like a random roommate, which in my opinion, both are not like ideal. Um, so especially moving to like a brand new city, that's pretty far away from your family. So yeah. So when I first moved there, you know, my parents luckily helped me move in and everything. And then when they, when I had to drop them off at the airport for them to go home, I was crying so hard. And my mom's like, but you're going to be fine. And I'm like, I'm not going to be fine. Because <laughs> this was like, even though I moved away for college, it was different because you're like surrounded by people your age, people, you know, that have also moved for the first time away from home. 
Mm -hmm. you know, but in this case, I'm like, I mean, yeah, I have my friend, but that's about it. So, um, so anyways, yes, I was, of course, very nervous to be on my own. But um, once I, you know, actually started working and everything, like, I was obviously okay. Um, But it was a very weird for a really long time. And it still kind of is that, yeah, I didn't have school. I wasn't constantly like, trying to get homework done. I wasn't constantly like working, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lab group, stuff like that. So it definitely took a while to adjust to it because, you know, I would go to work during the day and then come home and it's like, now what do I do? Like, it was just weird. Like I had free time that I never had before. So yeah, like figuring that out was, yeah, definitely, definitely weird. (laughs) What was, what was the biggest surprise uh, that you found once you started working full time? I guess that maybe people aren't weren't like so attached to the success of their work like they are of course trying to be successful and you know do good work Mm -hmm. at work but it's not but especially in research especially if it's a new product like a lot of times it's probably gonna not do great at the beginning and you're gonna have to you know keep like reformulating or retesting, doing other things to try to make it better. So I guess to me, like that was something I kind of had to like come to terms with, like, okay, the first time is not always going to be perfect because in school, you know, like you have, you know, one homework assignment or one exam to do well and that's it. Like you have to get it right the first time. But at work, it's like these people were working on these projects for like years and years and years <laughs> and right. you know failed probably a million times and i'm like that was definitely something that was like hard for me i think to realize that you know not like it's not going to be perfect all the time or really even close mm-hmm. to all the time so um and also i mean it was definitely helpful to see that there are other people on my team who have been working there for much longer than me like didn't get so upset when something didn't work you know because I'm like okay it's not like the end of the world if this doesn't work at first like it will be okay um yeah so mm -hmm. so since getting that job you have transitioned also into a new role that you're currently working in so that job you were a uh, development engineer, like you said, this job, you are a continuous improvement engineer, <laughs> which I've, I've never seen those three words in that order before when that, the switch to that job, because that's also in a new location. Yeah. So did that happen because of the pandemic or did that happen before and the timing just, that's kind of how mm-hmm. it worked out. So Once I was working for about a year at the research position or development position, I realized, you know, maybe I don't want to be doing this. I felt like research just wasn't the best fit for me. I also did not really love being so far away from my family. Um, You know, anytime I wanted to come home, I had to fly home. If I wanted to drive, it was like nine hours, I think, which is like, pretty big drive. I never drove home. I always flew. So that's like a whole process and a lot of money. So 
yeah, so I just wasn't really like feeling it. And I knew that, you know, of course, DuPont's a huge company. So I was um, probably like, yeah, about a, a little less than a year. I started looking at the other sites, seeing if they had any other open jobs. And um, like, luckily, the time that I started looking, they had a few positions open up at the same sites that I interned at in Ohio. And it definitely helped that I had connections there because of course, you know, all the people that I, sure. all the people that I worked with in my internship were still working there. And although it was um, not exactly with the same business, it's with a different business, but still on the same site, you know, they were able to like provide recommendations for me and stuff like that. And um, I feel like that, um, obviously really helped. <laughs> so I applied for these, um, openings that they had and I actually flew out to do the interview in Ohio. I think it was two weeks before all, like everything got shut down for the pandemic. Like it was crazy oh, wow. timing. It was like at that point, no one even knew really that it was like a thing. Right. And then I remember coming back to work like the next week and people were like, kind of mentioning it like it being in the news but it wasn't that big of a deal yet and then literally the next week it's like everyone's working from home so it was really good timing luckily because um when i went to my interview i interviewed with i think it was like four of the engineers that are on the team and our the engineering manager and also our unit manager so it's i really like that i was able to like do that all in person and I um, was also able to like tour the site, which was cool. So yeah, so I did that. And then of course, everyone's working from home. Everyone's like crazy, like, you know, especially for an engineering job, it's not like very common to work from home. So I feel like a lot of people that were working in Ohio on site, transitioning to working at home was like a really big deal for them <laughs> compared to like, I don't know, some other jobs that maybe weren't as like hands-on. So anyways, I was like, oh no, like they're never gonna give me this job now because of course, you know, you hear about all these layoffs happening and people cutting back on right. positions. So I was like, there's no way they're gonna hire a new person now. Um, so of course I was really nervous, but I did um, email the hiring manager, like asking him, you know, of course there's a lot going on right now, <laughs> but are there, <laughs> um, i don't know if you've seen the news um you know like are there any updates just give me something so <laughs> um probably like a week later he messaged me on skype and he's like can you talk and i'm like yeah and so <laughs> um he like audio calls me or whatever on Skype and tells me, you know, they want to offer me the position. And I was like, so excited. I was like, yay. And of course I was like kind of confused. I was like, how is this going to work with the pandemic? Like, I don't know, but I was like, whatever. So I of course accepted it. And um, I think I moved back here like at the beginning of May and started like the middle of May last year. Yeah, it's been exactly one year since I started working. And at first it was um, mostly working from home, which was kind of difficult because a lot of what I do, like you have to be able to see it. Like you can't just, I mean, you can read about it, but it's very hard to understand some things without being able to actually like look at it and see how things are happening. 
So that was kind of hard. But luckily, I had another really good mentor. Shout out to Greg. <laughs> um, he actually was retiring. Well, he is retired now. But he was planning on retiring in January of this year. So he knew that he was leaving. So I was technically like backfilling his position, which is why they wanted me to like start pretty quickly because, you know, they knew that he had to train me and stuff like that. And this man has 37 years of engineering experience at DuPont. So I'm like, 37 years? That's like almost double the amount of years I've been alive. So I'm like, this is not good. (laughs) Like I was (laughs) so nervous because I'm like, how am I ever going (laughs) to... It is. It really is. Yeah, I know. I'm um, like, how am I ever going to learn what this man learned in 37 years? Of course, I'm not going to be able to. So, um, like, over the summer, they slowly started letting people go back in. Um, and they especially let me go in to work with him so that he could actually, like, you know, train me because it was really hard to do that from home. So... Yeah, so luckily he's like a super great teacher and um, like also very supportive. And he did tell me like, you're not you're you're not gonna know how to do a lot of things, but it just comes with experience. A lot of stuff you in engineering like you just don't learn in school. Like I rarely use anything really that I learned in school. Um, so. Yeah, he said it just comes with experience. And like once you go through something, you know, like you're never going to forget it. So once that pro- if that problem ha- happens again, you know, you're going to know what to do then. Because we'd have like some crazy problems sometimes at work and he would just like know what to do. And I'm like, how did you know it? Like I would have never thought to do that. And he's like, oh, because I've seen it happen like 10 times before. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So like made me feel a little bit better because I knew that they weren't expecting me to just come in and like, be able to learn all this stuff like it definitely just yeah you just have to learn it on the job kind of so you talked a little bit about how your job mostly you need to physically be there to see how things are working can you explain just a little bit more about what kind of your day-to-day looks like like what are the things that you're you know really there to do yeah so if you want like step by step i'm going let's do it yeah um i try to get there around seven. Sometimes I'll get there a little bit before or a little bit after. Depends. But I try to get there at seven, which my coworkers make fun of me because they all get there way earlier than me. Like my mentor, Greg, got there between 5.30 and 6 everything, every single morning. So that's a little crazy. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not my story. Already, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, already I'm not qualified to do this job. Okay. So like seven's like a good, good time. And also I should note that our plant operates 24 7 which i think most manufacturing plants do so our night shift works from 7 p.m to 7 a.m and then our day shift comes works 7 a.m to 7 p.m so i get there around shift change not that i work on shift but you know and um anyway so i get there i log into my computer check my emails you know that I got overnight, which is usually not many. And then we have a locker room where we have to wear like our PPE, personal protective equipment. And this includes um, a full like Nomex suit, which I don't know if other people call it that, but that's basically just the material that it's made out of. So imagine like- Like those big white, like monsters. No, 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 no. Imagine like a mechanic wearing like their coveralls. You know, 
Okay, okay. And they're sure. blue. Yep. They're dark. They're navy blue. They're really like, I don't think they're that bad. Like, whatever. Kind of cute. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it has my little name embroidered on it. So it's all official. And then um, <laughs> afterwards, steel toed boots. And um, of course, now with COVID, we have to wear our masks. And then sure. if we were, so I work in like the cubicle area. But the actual like manufacturing line is like on the different side of the building kind of. So if I were to go out into the manufacturing line, I'd have to wear safety glasses, earplugs, and occasionally my hard hat if I'm outside. So anyway, that's my uniform. <laughs> um, and also all the operators wear that and all the engineers. So yeah, so pretty much everyone's just walking around in their blue suits. And um, I go back to my desk and then... I usually talk to, um, there's like, so we have probably about six or seven engineers on our team. And then there's one engineer who is more of like the process engineer. So he kind of like up to date on how the line is running, like overall. So I usually talk to him first because we work together the most. See like, you know, how the line ran over that overnight. Oh, and when I say line, it's like a I don't know how to describe it really, but basically it's like a continuous line of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but a manufacturing line. So anyways, yeah. Um, what are you guys manufacturing at this plant? We make film that goes onto the back of solar panels, which, um, it basically just protects solar panels from like rain or the weather, dirt, stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it doesn't really look fancy at all. <laughs> so then, so then you're basically I, I, not to say basically. I'm sure you do a lot of different things, but like, yeah. are you there to make sure that all of the machines are pretty much working the way that they should? And then, if there are any ways to improve upon improve upon the process that's already in place, you're also trying to figure out those kinds of things as well. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, good job. See, you knew what it was. <laughs> I, fo um, I follow. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically just like see how the line ran overnight. If it's not running well, we try to figure out what the problem is. We try to fix it. And a lot of times that involves, you know, getting a mechanic involved. If it's like something mechanical, you know, they actually have to fix or it could be getting our controls engineer involved if it has to do with like the software, something's wrong with the software. So it could be a lot of like, there's a ton of different problems that could be happening. Um, so yeah, so we basically, that's like the first, I guess, like thing that we worry about. And then if we are running well, then that's when we can work on like other projects that we're trying to put in place. Yeah, to improve our runability or our productivity or you know safety safety is like our number one goal at work so if there's anything that we can do to um yeah improve everyone's safety stuff like that so yeah very cool well mm -hmm. i just spoke to someone who towards the end of the episode advocated and tried to sell people on the benefits of working at a smaller company or at least starting at a smaller company you obviously do not work at a small company no. you have you have said that multiple times as you know like how you're able to to move yeah. around and do that kind of stuff 
So would you like to talk about the benefits of working for a big company and what that can mean for someone? Sure. Yeah. So I think, um, I think at first I definitely was intimidated with obviously how big of a company DuPont is, but of course, you know, now working there, I think it definitely, um, has a lot of benefits. One being that if you don't like a particular job that you're in, it's, I would shouldn't say easy, but it's definitely easier at a bigger company to, you know, find a different site if you want to be in a different location or just find a different position within your site because chances are the site you're working at at DuPont is probably pretty big um, and there's probably a lot of different positions that could be available to you. And along with that, um, even though I, I work for DuPont, which is a huge company, the specific business that I work for is pretty small. Like I said, we only have seven engineers, I think, which um, is a lot smaller than some other places, some other businesses in DuPont. So, yeah, so even though DuPont overall is a big company, working with a small team definitely gives me a lot of opportunity to have um, a lot of my own responsibilities, more so than probably, like, if you're working with a big group, then there's obviously more people to split up the workload. But working with a small team, you know, more people have to take on more work, which I personally sure. like. So, so it definitely depends. Of course, you know, you could work for a big company and it really is a big company and there's tons of people. But if you work for a big company like DuPont, chances are there's probably a small team within a business that you can find to work for. And then also just the amount of resources that you have to reach out to people. I mean, even just in my site, I can reach out to other engineers and other businesses and, you know, if I have questions for them or just really for like networking, um, that is like a huge benefit, I think. Um, yeah, because in the future, you know, if I do want a different position, you know, if I talk to like a different manager, like let's say I want to go into management, you know, there's a million different managers I can talk to at DuPont. So yeah. So I think there's a lot of benefits to awesome. yeah. working for a big company. <laughs> sure. It, I mean, it definitely sounds like it. Um, so to anyone listening to this that maybe, let's say, is currently in school and an electrical or not, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> for anyone that's in school, that's a chemical engineering <laughs> major, uh -huh. um, uh, really just anyone that might be interested in doing this, right? What would you tell them about, you know, anyone that's interested in doing chemical engineering work full time or mm -hmm. at least pursuing that path? Like, what do you think that kind of everyone should know or expect before doing that full time? Well, first of all, to anyone in school that is like currently going through classes, engineering classes, for one, I should say, don't put so much pressure on yourself. <laughs> I know this, in the end, it will go back to be, to working full time. But like in the moment, I know it's so easy to just like, that's the only, probably the only thing you're doing is schoolwork. So of course you think like you have to like do amazing and all this stuff. But I promise that in the end, like it really does not like make or break you. Of course you want to do well. Like I'm not saying that you should fail like, of course, you can't fail your classes and make through, but you don't need to get straight A's. You don't need to even get B's. Like, it is not the end of the world if you're, like, not, 
you know, like exceeding like everyone's expectations. Um, because by my senior year, I had stopped putting so much pressure on myself. And that's when I like actually did well in my classes <laughs> when I wasn't putting pressure on myself. So just remember that. And then also for going into full time, um, I would say like definitely expect to have a lot of um, uncertainty and probably nervousness because I definitely did. I felt like I was not equipped to be where I am. I still kind of feel like that imposter syndrome, you know, um, and I think especially for women in engineering, they feel that a lot. And I would just say that, you know, don't let that like, don't let that um, like affect how you perform. You can still go in there and, you know, talk to as many people as you want, ask as many questions as you have to. I mean, I still, after a year of being here, ask so many questions <laughs> about things that I don't know. And usually for the most part, people are willing to help you and they usually like to help you if it's something that they enjoy talking about. So no one's ever going to be like, you know, annoyed that you're asking them a question. And if they are, then just find someone else to ask. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, so I would just say don't, and also don't expect to be using like all this theory and like crazy craziness that you learn in school um, in your job because for the most part, I shouldn't say all the time, for the most part, it is not necessarily um, what you learn in school. It's much more just hands-on learning on the job. And even though I majored in chemical engineering, like the process that I work at right now is a lot of mechanical engineering. So that has been a lot to learn too. So even if you major in one specific, you know, type of engineering, you definitely don't have to like do specifically that for the rest of your life. Um, I think really being any engineering major, you could probably eventually learn how to do like another type of engineering. So yeah, so overall, I would just say, try not to stress too much. When it go when it comes to like finding internships or finding a job, I know like how horrible of an experience it can be, but like just try not to give up even though you might want to <laughs> at a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully like if you keep going, you'll, you know, find something that will lead to something else. And also another big thing, I think a lot of people our age, at least from talking with friends, feel like the job they get out of, co out of college has to be the job that they're going to have for the rest of their life. Because a lot of the older more experienced people that I work with at work have been doing this their whole life, like literally straight out of college, have been at the same job, same company. And that's great if that's what you want to do. Like, I think, you know, that's awesome. But also, like, it's totally okay to have a job that you end up not liking. I mean, yes, I'm still working for the same company, but the first job that I had was definitely not the job that I wanted to have for the rest of my life. And it, you know, at the time, I felt a little bit like, oh, you know, I went through college and now I have a job that I don't really like. But, you know, there's always a way to get out of it and find like a better situation for yourself. So don't feel like you have to find like the best position for yourself coming out of college, because most of the time I feel like that's probably not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's something like most people, if you're like starting into the workforce today, you're going to have like five different careers on average, not jobs, five different careers yeah. on average. So I feel like I have also learned that it's more so just about collecting experiences and taking the steps. And then from there, you're going to get to do a bunch of other stuff that you didn't even think was a thing, you know, before you got into it. Yeah. Okay. So now we are on to the final four questions, Eliza. Okay. So number one, what is your favorite job you've ever had? Um, well, I think, can I have two? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, for one, after my freshman year of college, I was a camp counselor at zoo camp, which I'm not a huge animal person, but, um, (laughs) I love kids. (laughs) So like, although I, (laughs) although I didn't love working with the animals, I really liked working with the kids. And it was still kind of cool to like go to the zoo every single day. Like I literally went there every single day. So that was, okay. I was about to ask just to clarify. So it was a camp. Yes. At the which zoo. It was a camp at the zoo. At the zoo. And you were with the kids at the zoo yes. all day. For all how day. Long? Uh, how long? Like how long did the camp last? Like, oh, like all like- summer, like June to August. So you were just at the zoo with these kids every single day, three months. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I probably took like a week or two off, but I mean, yeah, for the most part. And, oh, the uniform I had to wear there was not cute. It was like khaki shorts, an ugly blue t-shirt. Like that part was not fun, but I did really like working with the kids. And then, um, oh, second favorite job probably being a math tutor because- I just got to like do math problems all not all day. I, I didn't work there all day. But like if I worked for three hours, I don't know. I just Yeah. <laughs> I just really liked it. <laughs> I am it just like it's one of those things where I am I obviously understand the necessity for math and I think yeah. it's awesome for the people that can do it. It's just really not my bag. So the fact That's that there okay. are people that they are really into it. Like I, I mean, really, like my mind. In life, I think you just need like basic math, but like. Oh yeah, no question. But it's definitely more fun to do like calculus. I'll take your. I'll take your <laughs> word for it. Okay. Um. Who are the people that you admire most, and that could be personally, professionally, however you want to interpret that. Um. I would say this might sound like super cliche. But probably my mom and my dad, because mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, multiple times, they have nothing to do with engineering. My mom is a mental health therapist. My dad is a teacher for visually impaired kids. So both of those are like very like giving professions, I feel like, you know, like they, mm-hmm. they, it takes a lot of patience to do what they do. Like I can never do it. Um, but yeah, both of them, I think are like really passionate about their jobs and um, they work really hard, but at the same time, they always made time for our family and like for me and my sister, you know, they would always like be at our events, taking us wherever we had to go. Anyways, so I just hope when, you know, I have a family, which I don't and I probably won't anytime soon, but when I do, like I definitely want to 
have a job that I'm passionate for, but not like so passionate for it that, you know, I'm like not, um, you know, like spending quality time with your family because I think that's really important. And I don't want like my identity, I guess, to be like my job. Like I don't want people just to know me as like an engineer because I'm, you know, everyone's way more than their job. So yeah. So, I mean, like, obviously I don't know my parents as their job because they're my parents. But I don't think their friends either, like, know them as their jobs. They just know them as, like, really nice, fun people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your dream job? I think it would be really cool eventually. I don't really know how I would go about this. But I would really love to be, like, some type of teacher, but not like a, not like a middle school teacher or something like that. But more so, like, maybe in, at a college or something where I could, like, go back and be – like, I'm not going to get my PhD. That's not happening. But <laughs> I know there are t- teachers or professors that don't have their PhDs. You know, they're more like professors yeah. of practice, I think they're called, mm-hmm. um, where maybe I could, like, you know, just, I don't know, help prepare people, give advice. I don't know, like – tell people not to say, um, 82 times in an interview, stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like I have like relatable things to tell people. And it kind of goes hand in hand with being a tutor. Like, I just really like helping people. Like, I don't know. I feel like I would be like a good teacher. I don't know specifically in what, but I think that would be really cool. Like maybe once I retire, like if I could retire a little bit early and then go back to being a teacher, that'd be fun. Yeah, actually make people like math. Yeah. <laughs> that would be super important. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> I I had a teacher that was like that. He was my eighth grade science teacher, and he was my favorite teacher for that reason. Is he had <laughs> gone out and actually, you know, worked in that thing. Exactly. And then came back to be a teacher. Yeah. Yes. I know. They're, I feel like, yeah, they're much more relatable then. <laughs> 100%. Because then you know it's real. Then you know yeah. the application of it, and it's not just right. some person reading out of a book. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and the final question, what's one thing that you are trying to accomplish within the next year? Well, like I said earlier, like imposter syndrome is a real thing. I've mm-hmm. experienced it all throughout college um, and definitely working. Well, for one, I am the only woman on my woman engineer, I should say, on my team currently. And a lot of times I, like, if let's say, like, we're having a problem at work, something's not working. And in my head, I'm thinking, like, oh, maybe this is the problem. Like, maybe we could try this. But I never, sometimes I say it out loud. But usually I don't say it out loud because I'm too nervous that I'm going to be wrong or something, which I have to get over that. But (laughs) um, I never say it. And then, you know, we'll continue the conversation then one of the male engineers will like say basically what I was thinking and I'm like dang it I should have just said it when I thought it because I you know so yeah so I guess just building up my confidence and you know like actually you know believing like okay like I they obviously gave me this position for a reason like I you know might not know everything obviously I've only been working for two years um but I'm trying and like that's really all you can do so yeah so basically just being more confident in myself like voicing my ideas and opinions and 
even if they're wrong, you know, like that's okay. Other people say things and they're wrong. So yeah, I would say, I would say that's probably just my biggest goal is to be more confident in myself and um, know that, you know, I'm here because they trust that I can do my job. And so I should mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Well, you have every single listener of this podcast that's going to be supporting you and accomplishing that <laughs> goal over the next year. We will all be spending every probably once a week thinking, I really hope that Eliza was way more vocal at work about her ideas. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's actually pretty surprising because I'm a pretty loud person. If you couldn't right. tell. So it's like, why am I shutting no, that? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So I, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate uh I think that you said a lot that people are going to be able to take from this. So thank you so much for, uh, for coming on here and doing this. Of course. I'm glad. Hopefully I helped somebody. <laughs> Welcome to the follow-up. I had so much fun talking to Eliza, and I really hope that you were able to take something from it. What stuck out the most to me from listening to her talk about her path so far was the importance of having support. Whether that was in college with her sorority or having more experienced people at DuPont offer her help through her time there, having a support system and really just people that you can depend on is so important. I know that a lot of the time I feel like everything is completely on me. It's on me to get something done. It's on me to figure something out, whatever the situation. But most of the time when I do that, I tend to just put too much pressure on myself and then things never go as well as they should. And when you start to isolate yourself, you lose out on different perspectives and experiences that absolutely would help. I know that in past jobs I've had, the ones I feel like I have both enjoyed the most and done the best work at have been because of the support around me. One thing that was huge for me last year, especially because I was working remote, was having a Zoom that was open for an hour once a week and anyone from the team could just hop on, vent, say what they needed to say, and it was an amazing way that we could all support each other, share ideas, grow, and just stay connected as a group through a very stressful time and a very stressful job. I know that most people are back in the office, but I still think that any team needs to have some way to communicate, talk to each other in a safe and supportive way, not only to get closer, but also just to have a more enjoyable time at work. Now I'd like to thank our sponsors. Thank you to the Crystal Casino Band for letting us use their song Luck as music for the show. If you like the song, go check out more of them on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to music. I'd also like to thank the Liability on the Mic podcast, which is hosted by Liz Evans and Carmen Kerrigan. Liability on the Mic features the rock-solid, grounded-in-reality musings of two Midwestern Gen Z millennial cusp queens. Check out Liability on the Mic wherever you get your podcasts. One final thing before we wrap up here. I have a favor to ask. If you thought of anyone while listening to this episode because they're in school to do this or you just think they would find it interesting, please send it to them. 
The goal here is to help as many different people as possible learn as many different careers and paths as possible. So if you would like to help that mission, I would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to everyone to listen to this episode, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.